The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. It is September the 7th. I am your host, Drew Butler, joined by my co-host, SEC football legend, Aaron Murray. It is week two of the Punt and Pass podcast, and we are here to recap what was, Aaron, a wild week one. What was expected to be a wild week one, but some games in particular went above and beyond. And guess what? We have another awesome schedule of games for week two. First things first, how are you doing, my man? Doing good. Nice week. Like you said, an exciting week one. I mean, you couldn't have asked if you're a fan watching those games. I couldn't find enough TVs just to keep them all going. I'm on my phone. I'm on my iPad. I'm on three different games going on on the TV. Uh, just an exciting week of football, some big games and week two is going to be the same thing. A lot of big games, a lot of, uh, big conference games, out of conference games, a lot for us to talk about this week on the show. So I'm excited to get this thing rolling. Yeah, man. And and about the big week that was week one, you made your in-booth debut. I know a lot of our listeners and fans tuned into CBS Sports Network to watch you break down and give us color analysis of that FIU Central Florida game in Orlando. I'll be the first one to say I thought you did an awesome job. How was that? It was fun. It was definitely a learning experience being my first time in the booth, kind of getting the, the timing and the rhythm of working with someone else and, and feeling off him and when he's going to set me up. But it was a great time. It would be great if you were in the booth kind of giving me a play-by-play guy. I think you and I would kind of kill it. Maybe maybe in the future there'll be a, uh, Start we'll be covering some SEC or some uh, CBS games. But it was fun. It was a little bit of a blowout, which makes it a little tough towards the end of the game to kind of keep fans interested in continuing to watch when the game's well out of hand, but it was a great first time. I'm looking forward to get back up in the booth uh, again at the end of the month. So when's your next game? So all of our listeners can again, tune into CBS sports network and watch you crush it in the booth. Uh, I believe the end of the month, I think it's September 29th. I'll be covering the New Mexico game. Uh, and then I think a couple weeks after that, I'll be heading to Colorado state to cover coach Bobo who had a little bit of a rough second week after really coming on strong yeah, that, that first was, week. So Man, that was a bit of a bummer. You know, I didn't get to watch the Colorado State-Colorado game, but I thought uh, they would certainly put more than three points on the board after that hell of a start in week one. I mean, they had a couple couple touchdowns called back. I think two touchdowns called back on some penalties that were kind of iffy, kind of uh, could have gone either way. So that kind of hurt them a little bit. But yeah, after the week before when they're putting up 50 points, uh, then you go and play a Colorado team, which is a little bit better, but they got to do better. So and hopefully by week, I think week eight, when I go to visit Coach Bobo, uh, that offense will be rolling once again. Yeah, you got to win those rivalry games. I'm sure they'll be able to bounce back in good fashion. But let's jump into a little bit of a recap of what was a crazy week one. You know what we do here on the Punt and Pass podcast. We bring you a breakdown of the three best games each week in the SEC. And if you want to be a part of the Punt and Pass podcast, Holler at us on social media. We are at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to email us some long thoughts, puntandpass at gmail.com. 
Aaron, you are at Aaron Murray 11, and I am at Drew Butler 13. We love to interact with the listeners. Obviously, a lot of people have some good or not so good opinions on what goes down in college football, but man, last week was awesome. The stupid nickname of the GOAT opener uh, wasn't really a GOAT. It was not the greatest opener of all time. Statistically, on paper, one versus three, Alabama against Florida State inside the new Mercedes Benz Stadium. In Atlanta, a bit of a snooze fest, I would say. I thought, obviously, Florida State would be a bit more competitive. They made the mistakes. They turned the ball over. And then DeAndre Francois, that was tough to see. Goes down for the season. I think he broke his patellar tendon or ruptured his patella cap. I don't know. It it was not good. He's out for the season, and Bama just does what they do. They, They take advantage of missed opportunities and turnovers on Florida State's part. Won this game 24-7. to I thought Florida State had a real shot. They proved me wrong rather quickly by turning the ball over. And then when Francois went down, really no shot. You picked the game right. You said Bama was going to win and cover. And we both picked the under. Uh, they only scored 31 points. So the over was not made. What were your quick thoughts on that Bama FSU game? Oh, well, once again, like you said, Alabama does the little things right. And I think that's the sign of a true... Uh, Nick Saban football team. They they do fundamentally sound football and they just wear you down to when, when you come to the second half, when you're in the third quarter, you're in the fourth quarter as a football team, you're kind of worn down. And that's when the mistakes happen. That's when you throw two interceptions back to back. That's when you decide to take a, uh, a kickoff out of the end zone when you're kind of fumbling it, get a fumble, great field position for Alabama. So they don't make those mistakes they wear you down to put you in a position where you are going to make those mistakes. And then Jalen hurts. He's hasn't played well against big time teams last season, uh, not playing well versus top 10 teams. And I, I kind of backed him up. I said, Hey, listen, he's a freshman. He's not going to play well in those big time games as a freshman. He played decent the rest of the year, actually more than decent. He was the sec offensive player of the year and this game doing what they need him to do. No turnovers. He ran the ball. Well, when they need him to run the ball, no turnovers, like I said, it's key for him just to be a game manager. Play great defense is the, the MO of Alabama. Manage the ball, no turnovers, nothing too sexy, nothing too exciting. But once again, they come out with a big win versus a very good opponent, uh, and they're number one once again. Yeah, they are number one, and Nick Saban goes to 11-0 and against his former assistants. The guy runs a machine, there's no doubt about it that was a big game we have other big games to cover that's going to come up here in about five minutes most notably that Auburn Clemson game in Death Valley Georgia travels north of the Mason Dixon line to take on Notre Dame and South Bend and I think a sleeper game which will probably get a lot more notice after the fact is that South Carolina at Missouri game we're touching on all three of those in just a bit going back to week one We said it was going to be a sloppy game. We said it was going to be full of inexperienced players and young players. It was sloppy, especially on one part. That Michigan-Florida game was tough to watch. Florida's offense, putrid. Felipe Franks gets subbed out for Malik Zaire. He couldn't do anything better. They scored 17 points off two pick sixes, so the offense only scored a field goal. Michigan kind of took advantage of Florida's weaknesses they went 33 to 17. Aaron, you picked Florida. I picked Michigan. We both picked the under and we were wrong. Man, this one got out of hand pretty quickly. Florida looked terrible. Yeah, I, I, it's amazing to see a Florida team that bad on offense. And my big question, Mark, uh, is why did you take Felipe Franks out? He wasn't playing awful. 
your offense wasn't getting on the field much with the two pick sixes. So the defense is constantly being out on the field and the kid was five for nine for 75 yards. You decided to put in Zaire uh, to get more of a mobile quarterback in there because your offensive line wasn't protecting uh, too well at that point of the game. And they continued to do Pat uh, to uh, protect poorly in the past game. And Zaire was only nine of 17 for 106 yards. So uh, like I said, from the beginning of the year, Put in this Frank's kid, let him develop. You're going to have your highs. You're going to have the lows, but you get this kid enough time, enough reps in this offense where you may not have a great year this year, but you're kind of setting yourself up for success next year and the year after that. So hopefully this Zaire thing is kind of over with after they've kind of seen what he can do. Uh, I know they're going to go back to Felipe this weekend, uh, playing a lesser opponent, hopefully give him some confidence, go out there, throw some touchdowns, move the ball. But this offense is a long way to go. Uh, 11 rushing yards in the SEC is not going to cut it. When they, when, awesome. yeah, they, when you play teams in the SEC, you got to be able to rush the ball. Uh, you got to have some balance. And, and obviously they have a lot of work to do uh, in the pass game, in the run game and just find their identity. I just don't think they knew who they are as an offense just, just yet. No, they don't. Two teams who did find out who they were as an offense, putting up a whopping 83 combined points. I picked it last week to be my most exciting game, obviously not knowing what was coming in that Texas A&M-UCLA game, but Tennessee and Georgia Tech round out what was an amazing and exciting week one of college football. Tennessee comes storming back in the fourth quarter. It goes to double overtime. They somehow beat Georgia Tech 42-41. to Aaron, we were both wrong. Tennessee didn't cover, and the game went over that, what was it, 63.5 points or something crazy like that, but they scored 83 points. That game was absolutely wild. Paul Johnson goes for two and double overtime when he didn't have to. Tennessee makes probably their only play of the game on defense and it was wild. If you look at that box score, and, and the box and, score is and, unbelievable. And blank out the final score. I mean, you probably would have thought Tech won by forty points in a blowout. I mean, you see this kid, Taquan Marshall, five and nine, one hundred and twenty yards, forty-four carries for two hundred and forty-nine yards. Stud in his first and game. In his first game, and I saw a couple passes. I mean, there was only nine of them, but there was a couple good passes where you're kind of. Surprise that Georgia quarterback or Georgia yeah, tech quarterback and throw that far down the field no through a couple po- through one nice post pattern to put him inside the five yard line. I mean, that offense was rolling. Uh, and then Tennessee kind of, I think once Quinn Dormany kind of calmed down, I think they had some huge drops in that first half. I think when everything slowed down, he kind of showed you what he's able to do as a quarterback going 20 or 37 for 221 and two touchdowns. And and I think the big player out there was the the Marquez Callaway. Yeah, dude, two he's huge touchdown. He's from Warner Robins. He's out there balling. I'm like, who is this? I mean, this throwing guy? it, throwing it. I saw a post pattern. He went up there and jumped over two guys. He caught one. I think it was just a quick little comeback, little dig. Gives one guy a stiff arm, yeah, and he's he off to the races for a long touchdown. Oh, yeah, man. it's just big kid, big target, and and Quentin Dormany was definitely using him all day. But like you said, an exciting game. Uh, Georgia Tech, man. They, they, I mean, they just, you it's give a slow, team multiple weeks. It's a slow, weeks, dying death out there. I slow mean, they, death. I, and you think Tennessee crazy. having multiple weeks to kind of prepare for this type of offense, and still Georgia Tech just does their, does their thing and, and puts a lot of points and, and, and great numbers on the board in the rushing category. I mean, they make, they make third and six look like third and in inches. They just fall downfield for about three yards. If you give them any leeway, they are converting third downs uh kicker had a rough game 
Uh, I don't know if I – I mean, I, I, I'm obviously biased towards specialists. I don't know if I can work in any excuses for him on that one. Paul Johnson's ruthless. He said they're already moving on, next man up. But, you know, he went 0 for 2. Okay, they lose and, and they go to overtime off that blocked field goal late in the fourth quarter with no time left. But you got to think, Tech fumbled inside their own 10-yard line. If they score, that touchdown game is over. That's me being a kicker. Hey, everybody's to blame. There's more than just one guy in the field. But that game was crazy. Tennessee ekes out the victory, 42-41. to So to recap week one uh, on our gambling picks, Aaron, we didn't do too good. Re- hovering right around beneath 500. We'll pick that up this week. Week two is obviously, based on this slate of games, going to be awesome. Here's what we're covering. Number 13 at number three, Clemson. Number 15, Georgia at Notre Dame. That's number 13, Auburn, excuse me, at number three, Clemson. Number 15, Georgia at number 24, Notre Dame. And we're going with the South Carolina-Missouri game. Let's start. Where do you want to start, Aaron? You want to start with the Auburn-Clemson game or jump right into the dogs going up north? You pick. Let's go with the Auburn-Clemson game. I think that's the game of the week right there. Yeah, it seems like it's the game of the week. A year ago, it was a defensive battle. Clemson won 19-13. It was really the only game where Deshaun Watson and that Clemson offense had a tough time moving up and down the field. But this year, the Gus Bus rolls into Death Valley to take on the defending national champion, Clemson Tigers. And and guess what? Gus Malzahn now has a quarterback that he believes can get the job done against Dabo Sweeney's stout Tiger defense. On the flip side for Clemson, Kelly Bryant flashed like a young Deshaun Watson in his debut just a week ago. He put up some big numbers against Kent State. You think this game will be a barn burner, or are those defenses too good? It's going to be a struggle just like last year. I think it's going to be a defensive struggle. I think this game at the end of the day is going to come down the line of scrimmage. I think we got two great defense. I think we got two pretty good offenses, but I think the defenses in this game are just too strong. I think they're too strong uh, in the front seven. I think both of these defensive lines are big. They're fast. They're physical. They can get after the quarterback and they're not going to let you run the ball a lot. So I think these two defensive lines, the way they're going to be able to hold up against these offenses, I think it's going to be key. Uh, so these offensive lines, are going to have to set their game up in order to kind of make a balanced offense between the pass and the run. Yeah, just think about what they did in week one. They both played lesser opponents. Clemson had Kent State at home, and Auburn played Georgia Southern at home. Clemson held Kent State to just 120 total yards, and Auburn held Georgia Southern to 78 total yards, and Southern was 0-15 on third down. So obviously the front sevens are stout. Cameron Petway, first start of the season this year for Auburn. He was suspended in week one, so on Johnson is questionable with a hamstring injury. You kind of flopped those running backs for Auburn. And then Jarrett Stidham had a, had an okay week one. I mean, he was 14-24, 185 yards and two touchdowns, throwing a rushing touchdown as well. He's got some rust to knock off. He didn't play at all last year. Um, I think both teams, like you said, are going to try to stop the run and force these quarterbacks, rather inexperienced quarterbacks, to make plays through the air. Yeah, and I think both these quarterbacks can. I think both these guys demonstrated last week that they they are able to make plays in the passing game. I think they have plenty of weapons around them. Uh, It's going to come down to the run game. I think for Auburn, the big key is definitely getting Petaway back. Him kind of being suspended all of a sudden last week before week one. I think he's that bigger back that can kind of take over again, kind of dominate, kind of be that that uh, that 
kind of strength to that Auburn defense or Auburn offense that they yeah. kind of need versus this kind of nasty, nasty Clemson defense. So uh, Jared Sidham does have to play better, you know, only, you know, 14, 25, 105 yards and two touchdowns. He was kind of off last week, did not look extremely comfortable, um, but it is week one. He is kind of trying to get over the fact that, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him right now. I think everyone's been kind of saying, Hey, this guy is going to be the savior of Auburn. We've had everything we need on offense, but a quarterback. And now we finally have one. And, and I definitely think he's still the answer. I definitely think he's going to have a phenomenal year, uh, but now he's going to get a really taste of what a big time game is and going into Clemson, which is a very hostile environment. Uh, he needs to do better to protecting the ball between the, the strip sack and then throwing an interception. Uh, this game, like I said, is going to come down to the line of scrimmage, but also who can protect the football at the end of the day uh, is the key to these type of big-time rivalries. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, Clemson's front seven very well may be the best in the nation. They got some dogs on that defensive line, so you know that if they're able to shut down the run, you know, on Johnson probably not going to be able to go. Like I said, he's questionable. Petway has his first start of the season. If they can get to Petway quick and then be able to tee off on Stidham, watch out because this game could get out of hand Clemson's quarterback Kelly Bryant I said he looked like a young Deshaun Watson he really did he was he threw for 313 yards and two touchdowns he can make plays on his feet he can extend plays when he's in trouble I like Clemson in this game they're giving five points they are at home it is a night game the over-unders 53 and a half I tell you what, Aaron, I'm taking Clemson. They're going to cover the five, and I think this game goes over. I think these offenses are going to understand that to beat these tough front sevens, you're going to have to have a balanced attack, and there's some big plays to be made in this night game, which I believe is probably going to be on ABC. I haven't double-checked that. Yeah, I think it's on ABC at 8 p.m. Or no, excuse me. The Oklahoma-Ohio State game's on ABC. This game's on ESPN. It'll be a sweet game. I'm looking forward to tuning into it. Yeah, I agree with you on the Kelly Bryant. I thought he played extremely well last week, and it was definitely an exciting player to watch. Not only what he could do with his arm, but he took off a couple times, and you're kind of like, wow, this guy, he can move. He's definitely faster than Deshaun. Uh, but this is a big game, and it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of hype. Um, and I just think this Auburn defense, you look at them, and I was watching them last week, they're just so big and fast. I mean, you look at that front four, and you're just like, man, those are some impressive looking dudes oh, yeah. on that defense. I think they've built that defense where not only do they look good, but they play pretty dang good as well. So I'm going under, I think these two teams and two quarterbacks that are not extremely experienced in this type of game, in this type of type of hostile environment. Um, I do have Clemson winning. I just know going to that stadium playing at night, I, that place is rocking. It's loud. Dealing with crowd noise as an offense is probably one of the most difficult things uh, to do. That's the one that most people don't understand is, you know, when you're having to kind of use hand signals and not be able to communicate verbally, it just adds a huge stress to that offense. So I got Clemson winning. Uh, I'm going under, um, but I, like you said, it's going to be an awesome game. I'm excited to see it. Do they cover? And, uh, you, you, you want the points. You want those five points. That's a, that's a, I want those five points. I want those five points. Okay, now, now I want you, because you just mentioned something, I want you to speak about it. The the crowd noise night game in Death Valley, you've played there. That's a real thing. I mean, you guys work on the silent count throughout the week. Everybody has to be on the same page. Communication is absolutely 
a huge factor when you go on the road in a night game in a hostile environment. Just speak a little bit about that and let our listeners know what kind of preparation goes into it and how everybody has to be in tune when game time kicks off. Yeah, there's only so much you can do. I mean, obviously during the week, you have stereos all over the practice field, blasting music, blasting crowd noise, anything to kind of uh, get you to really work in and hone in on your skills when it comes to hand signals. But until you get into that environment, and I mean, when we played Clemson week one, heading into my senior year, uh, we practiced for weeks with crowd noise. I mean, for two weeks, we're blasting music. We're working on hand signals. Everyone seems like they're in a good place. But when you line up and it really is that loud and, and the center cannot hear uh, you say down, yeah. black 80, black 80, downside hut, when you're not even the center can hear you, <laughs> uh, that just takes it to a whole nother level. And all that preparation for two weeks doesn't really, I mean, it helps, but it's a whole new ball game when, when you're in front of 90,000 people screaming and yelling. And, and that's when you need to be disciplined. That's when your leaders need to step up, especially on the offensive side of football, and just calm guys down. Just let them know, listen, this is a factor. It's against us, but as long as we run well, block well, pass well, uh, we can kind of go out there and do our thing. It's real. That that home field advantage in a night game with, when all your fans are cheering loud, that is a real advantage. Aaron, you can speak to it. Thanks for letting our listeners know what exactly goes on and how you can literally be inches away from your center with your hands up his ass saying, down set hut, and he can't hear you. It'll be really fun to watch this game. Punt, pass, and pick. I take Clemson to cover the five and I think this game goes over 53 and a half Aaron wants the points he's taking Auburn thinks the game stays under next game up 7 30 p.m. NBC Mike Tirico on the call wake up the echoes number 15 Georgia Bulldogs are heading up to South Bend to take on the number 24 Notre Dame fighting Irish. This line has moved down. It opened at six and a half. Notre Dame was a six and a half point favorite. It's down to four points. So a lot of people hammering Georgia. And the over under is 55 and a half. Georgia comes in limping a bit, but not really. Quite optimistic. Jacob Easton goes down on his eighth play of the game in week one, sprains his left knee. He's out week to week with a left knee sprain. True freshman Jake Fromm gets his first start and it's on the road inside Notre Dame Stadium. Notre Dame had an impressive week one victory over Temple. They rushed for 422 yards total. That quarterback Brandon Wimbush looks like a big time threat. This should be a fantastic game and I think both teams kind of realize week one was a nice warm up. Now the real football starts. Yeah definitely a nice warm up for both those guys and and what a first game to start going to Notre Dame South Bend. Oh man, man, I would have liked to. I would have liked to start my first game That's there. The That's the stuff for sure. legends I mean, just, are made of. That is the stuff legends are made of. And and for Fromm, his biggest thing now heading into this game is for him. Uh, he looked great. I, I love the way he moved in the pocket. He took some shots. His first touchdown pass, I thought was a thing of beauty. Being able to step up, move a little bit to his right, throw it up, let his receiver go up there and make a play for him. Uh, and that's what you need to do. You got to trust your playmakers. But I thought a couple of times he might've trusted them a little too much where you can kind of get away with some of those passes when you're playing uh, a defense. That's not uh, one of the, you know, a, a top defense in the country or even a little better than what they faced last week. You can't be just throwing balls up like that. You know, there is a point, you know, when it's 50, 50 and you trust your guys, but when there's two or three guys around them, you can't just do that kind of thing. And I think he kind of, you know, hopefully went back, watched the film, 
and, and now it's had a whole week with the starters to get all those reps in practice to prepare for this type of game. Uh, but there's definitely going to be some jitters. Like I said, to play in this type of stadium, this type of game, your first start, true freshman on the road. I mean, like you said, this is where dreams are made of. So let's let's see what this kid can do. How do you how do you feel about all the comparisons? People, I mean, I know he wears number eleven, but people are saying Jake Fromm kind of reminds me of Aaron Murray. He looks like a young I, Aaron Murray. I mean, have you heard good looking kid? Is that why he's a good looking kid? <laughs> you think it's Must more be a good about, looking guy? I think he's handsome. Okay, I understand <laughs> that. See, I thought he was a bit square in the jersey. You've kind of leaned out now that you're done playing football. But I remember a little pudgy Aaron Murray when you were a bit younger, hopefully he does a little bit better in that freshman season in six and seven. Maybe was that your, re- yeah, that was, that was a rough, that was a rough first year, first losing season in, in <laughs> Georgia okay, in a though. long time. Hey, okay, listen, we, we stepped up after that, but yeah, Absolutely. that first season was a little rough. What do you well, think? I think it's going to be interesting to see is going to, what, what they do now when, when Easton comes back, is he the guy? Yeah, that'll be really if interesting. It's two weeks, three weeks, if it's eight weeks, uh, does you know how from dictate Franz playing well and in two or three weeks playing pretty good football and they say they're undefeated. Do you go back to Eason who's your starter? You've said it's been started all year, but then you kind of been hinting a little bit how hard from works, how the kid prepared in January and February, how he's, he's calling receivers in January saying, Hey, let's get out here and throw the football around a little bit. Um, and really showing a lot of good poise and a lot of good stuff. Do you go back to Jacob Eason at that point of the year? If he's playing well, you said it just, I think it really depends on how long Easton's out. Look, if he's out for the next three weeks from gets the job done in South Bend, and then everybody expects Georgia to beat Samford week three. I think the the tell all game will be that week four matchup in Samford stadium against Mississippi state. That's a tough team. I, I called it in our season preview. I got that game circled as a possible letdown. If from wins that game, dogs start four and oh, Eason starts to get healthy. Then Kirby Smart has a legitimate quarterback controversy on his hands. I think it'll be tough to take the keys away from Fromm if he is 4-0. We're getting way ahead of ourselves, and the ball is moving. Like Coach Rick used to say, if the train is on the tracks, it'll be tough to take the keys away from Jake Fromm. Well, I don't think it, I don't think that Missy, going to the Mississippi State game, uh, I know I don't think you can consider that a letdown just – I kind of watched Mississippi State this weekend and what that quarterback and what Dan Mullen, Mullins is doing over there. I think that's a pretty legit team right now. I think the West right now is just so packed with talent. I think Mississippi State is definitely one of those teams that can go out there and compete with anyone in the SEC. Uh, and we tend not to play well in those type of games, uh, if especially if it's a 12 o'clock game. Yeah. Uh, so we're definitely going to need to. Hopefully it's the SEC game of the week. Hopefully it's a 3:30 game, which I'm hoping for because that'll be my first game I'm going to be attending this season. Oh, that'll be sweet. Uh, got the week off from CBS, so I'm going to be there uh, cheering the dogs on. But I think that's going to be a tough game. But the the key right now is definitely getting through this Notre Dame no Notre Notre Dame game right now. A team that only had four wins last year, but a lot of a lot of people you look at all the uh, commentators around the around the country has this team as the comeback team of the year. Uh, and they definitely came out strong last week versus Temple, a, a very talented football team. Um, so it's a big task for Georgia. We'll see. As long as their defense continues to play the way they did play last week, I think they're going to be pretty tough. Yeah, and I think I saw the stat. Uh, eight of their or Seven of their eight losses last year were by six points or less. So this team was not far off 
Uh, but going back to the game against Georgia this weekend, look, Georgia's defense looked really solid against App State, so so we'll obviously keep it in context there. But score was 31 nothing heading into the fourth quarter. Notre Dame a lot bigger, a lot faster, a lot more experienced. Georgia's going to be on the road. And this quarterback, Brandon Wimbush, he went 17-30, 184 passing yards for two touchdowns. But then he rushed for 106 yards, scored a touchdown on the ground as well. Their two running backs, Dexter Williams and Josh Adams, ran for 124 yards and 161 yards, respectively. Georgia's front seven, nothing to scoff at. But let's be honest, they Georgia struggled at times when App State's quarterback, Lamb, would get outside the pocket and extend plays. This kid showed the ability to do so in week one. Dogs got to be on the lookout for that, and especially playmakers like Lorenzo Carter and Davin Bellamy have to be able to match his athleticism and not let him make those big plays on the ground. I think the biggest thing is playing disciplined football. I think uh, with Lamb last weekend, you saw a couple instances where he was able to get outside the pocket or even in the zone game where those defensive ends were not playing assignment football. You saw them crashing on the running back when they were supposed to have contained or not doing their assignments and and uh, when they were rushing the quarterback and he was able to get out the pocket and make plays with his feet. And I think with this guy like this, uh, like Wimbush, you have to play disciplined football. This is the type of quarterback that all defenses hate. The guy that can send the pocket and throw it and the guy who can extend plays, run around, uh, make plays with his feet and also still throw the ball when on the run as well. So you just have to play sound defense. You have to play disciplined defense. And I think that's the identity Kirby's been going for. I think he's... They're heading that direction right now. They're finally starting to play the way they look. Because if you look at those guys coming off the bus, you're like, man, that's an intimidating football team right there. But they need a play like that. And that just comes down to discipline, playing fundamental football, staying in your gaps, and going against his quarterback is not letting him get outside the pocket. You must contain them, keep them in there, make them one-dimensional, make them only be able to pass the ball. And that's a huge victory for that defense. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, Kirby Smart's Georgia defense uh, this week one against App State had flashes like what his Alabama defenses did. I mean, don't make mistakes. Don't allow a weaker opponents to score cheap touchdowns. They they took care of business, and they're going to have a big task in week two on the road in South Bend. On the flip side, Notre Dame's defense has to be chomping at the bit. Jake Fromm, true freshman, they got to be thinking to themselves, look, if we can stop Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb and put the game in Jake Fromm's hands, that tilts this entire thing in our favor heavily. Do you expect that? I mean, I think it's easy to say. It might even be considered some low-hanging fruit, but let's be honest. Football coaches don't try to reinvent the wheel. They're sitting in these team meetings saying, stop 27, stop one, make 11 beat us there's no question right no question on you look at Notre Dame last week only gave up 85 yards rushing uh and and Nick Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle yeah they had a great game combined 183 yards and three touchdowns but it wasn't as dynamic and as exciting as you thought versus a team like Appalachian State and you're going into this game right now versus Notre Dame with a team they, they look they've sold the film they're like all right we're gonna load this box up and we're going to be able to stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. We're going to make 11, try to beat us. And and I think that's the key right now for, for Georgia is to be more dynamic. Watching that game that last week, I just don't think they were very dynamic on offense. I think the play calling was kind of dry. I don't think it was exciting. I think it was uh, almost Alabama-type offense, which I know Kirby likes. Do I don't think, know if we have – I don't know if we have the offense. 
do you think that was by design? Look, the freshman comes in. We don't really need to open up too much. Let's just take care of business and move on to week two. No, I just think even looking at to last season, I just don't think it's a very dynamic play calling at all. And I think when you play these types of games, you need to find ways to be more creative. You need to find ways to uh, kind of spread teams out, find different ways to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. I do not think uh, we are in Alabama just quite yet on the offensive line of football on the offensive yeah. line where you have big guys who can just move defensive linemen. I don't think we're there. I think we've recruited those guys. I think they're freshmen. And I think in two years we may be able to have that type of offense, but right now you have to play to the strength of your offense. Um, and you got to be creative. And right now our offensive line is not our strength. It is not the strength in the run game. It's not the strength in the pass game. And, and, and hopefully they continue to get better, but you got to find more creative ways on that offense. And and if you're not creative and you may, and you are one dimensional, that's when the Notre Dame team can come in and, uh, and put a whooping on you. Okay. So speak to the George, before you make your pick, speak to the Georgia fans about what to expect from Jake Fromm specifically, because people are scared. Oh man, he's a freshman. He doesn't know a lot of the playbook. I think it's different. You, you guys were in the same exact situation. He was an early enrollee. So were you. I think he's done his homework. At least everything you hear around the Georgia program proves to say, hey, this kid knows what he needs to know. He takes command of the huddle. Jim Chaney is comfortable calling whatever it is going into this game. And for the average fan, you have to understand that it's not about having access to 100% of the playbook. It's about being able to create the right game plan for Jake Fromm. You pick across that 100% come up with the game plan and be able to feel comfortable going into a hostile environment and trusting a freshman quarterback. You think when they were preparing that they were able to pick through any part of the playbook with Jake Fromm, right? They need to be they, the one thing like I like what you just said is they need to trust him. I go back to my uh, my freshman year and I remember our second game of the year we're playing South Carolina. We're on the seven yard line and we call a play. It was a little stutter and go. Uh, they're in cover four. Our ex, our weak side receiver is going to go kind of stalk the safety, get him to bite his feet like they think it's a run play off the play action. Then he hits it vertical. We throw the ball in the back of the end zone, touchdown. We practice all week. We knew what coverage they're going to get. Right before the play, uh, we even called the play in the huddle. We call a timeout. We get in the huddle, go see the coaches. They change the play to a run play. Next play was Sean Ely fumbles the ball. Ugh. A lot of it is just. I don't think at that point in my career, they trusted me enough to go out there and execute. It's my second game of the year. I had a great first game the week before, but you're at South Carolina hostile environment. It's a little different atmosphere. I felt great personally, but it's the end of the day. Those coaches are the one making the call and and you need to be able to trust your QB. uh, Cause if you don't, and then you kind of kind of even cut your playbook even farther down, uh, that's when you don't see the ball moving too much on offense. So I think the big thing for them, like I said, is just trust him, call the game plan. The kid has worked his tail off from everything we've heard from the day he got there in January has been nothing but a hard worker in the film room, in the playbook. Uh, yes, it's going to be a little limited, but I saw something today saying that he had full command of this offense. He had the ability to make checks at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think you're going to see very early on in that first quarter, what he's going to be able to do. And hopefully his nerves are a little calm uh, and he goes there and executes. Yeah, I mean, he'll obviously be a bit jittery when kickoff starts. But going back to the coaches and feeling comfortable with Fromm, hey, what do you have to lose? If you lose the game, guess what? Freshman quarterback, first start on the road. 
let it fly, man. You've worked hard, like you just said, Aaron. You've worked hard all summer long. Easton goes down. What's said is what's done. Let it fly. Open up the playbook. Get the ball into your playmaker's hands and see what happens. Okay, so now we're here. What's your pick, Aaron? Notre Dame giving four over under 55 and a half. Whoo, man, 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 man. I am going, oh, I'm going under. I think Georgia's defense, they're just stout. I think uh, from there's going to be some hesitation early on. I think with the play calling, I think it's going to be a very simple game plan. Um, I don't think they're going to open up too much. I don't see a lot of scoring. I think this is going to be the type of game that uh, Kirby Smart likes, hard-nosed football. Great defense, low scoring, just pound it, pound it, pound it. And hopefully by the fourth quarter, uh, they kind of wear that defense down a little bit and take control. So uh, I do have the dogs winning. I think they're more talented. I think that defense, uh, as long as they do a good job of containing the QB, I think they're going to do a great job come Saturday night. Uh, so I got it under, and I got the dogs covering and win the game. Sweet. All right, guess what? We both agree. I take the points. I think Georgia's going to win outright, and I picked under as well. I think it's going to go under 55.5. You just said it. This game is going to be a ground struggle. I don't expect it to be aired out too much, and hopefully Georgia's offensive line can kind of have that step-up moment late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, kind of grind it out against the Fighting Irish, and just watch Nick Chubb get four, five, six, seven yards of carry, and those dog fans start going wild in South Bay. Because I can tell you right now, Chicago is getting painted red and black. Falcons against the Bears on Sunday. Cubs are in town all weekend. How about Vince Dooley throwing out the first pitch at the Cubbies game tomorrow? I know a couple radio stations are broadcasting live from Wrigleyville that are based out of Atlanta. It's going to be wild. Georgia fans love to party. I'm Irish Catholic, so I guess I have a little bit of sympathy for Notre Dame fans, but let's be honest. Um, This is the dog's first visit over the Mason-Dixon line since like the 60s when they beat Michigan in Ann Arbor. What What a dream sports weekend for Georgia fans and Atlantans and Georgians all around. Man, if only I could be up there, that'd be a lot of fun. Seriously, I have a. You think wedding. we can find some extra tickets real quick? I think oh, you, wedding! I, I, I think you and I could probably just show up and walk in. Maybe if we had your CBS Sports Blazer, we could just go up to the press yeah, box and get we're some just free be like, food. Hey, you know, covering the sideline reporting for this game. Let us in. <laughs> yeah, my wonderful. Uh, I, try, I tried to pull that. I tried to pull that one for the FSU game this past weekend, it and they said no. <laughs> my friend, you're out of here. My wonderful so, wife yeah. Jackie is in a wedding in New England. So I will be at the wedding in New England, not in attendance at that Georgia Notre Dame game. Maybe in another time. Is it my wedding? Are you going to be able to watch it? That's the, that's the big question. Uh, right there. I think the ceremony starts at four ish. So we'll probably be cutting it up on the dance floor with the few toddies. Um, about yeah. seven thirty rolls around. Got to get the phone out. Got to watch the dogs. This is a big, got to watch the dogs. So we both picked it. Georgia going to win outright, take the points. It's going to stay under 55 and a half. And that's that. Can't wait to recap this game on week three of the Punt and Pass podcast because, again, we're going to have a lot to talk about just like we do this week. Moving on to our final game. Aaron, you and I had a little bit of a toss-up on which game to cover. I think, as I said in the show open, this game will be talked about a lot more after the fact than it is leading up to Saturday, and that's South Carolina at 
Missouri. The line Missouri's given to the over-under is a whopping 72 total points. South Carolina looked great a week ago against NC State. Some people have picked NC State to be a dark horse in the ACC. Carolina put up points. The defense looked good at times. They have athletes all over the field. And Missouri played Missouri State. They put up some crazy numbers on offense. Drew Locke, the quarterback, had 521 yards and seven, count them, seven touchdowns on 34 passing attempts. Missouri scored 72 points on their own just a week ago. That is bananas. Probably not going to happen this week, but Will Muschamp, okay, Will Muschamp, can he dial up some sort of defense to slow down Drew Locke? This game should be great. I can't wait to see these two quarterbacks go at it, Jake Bentley and Drew Locke. Can I just call right now that I'm going to go over the line at the moment? Okay, I'm going to go over. I think I'm just going to say right now. I'll hold my prediction for the winner till afterwards and 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 that stuff. But I'm saying right now, these two offenses. I mean, do we talk about exciting football to watch? These guys just let it fly. And I think I feel like like South Carolina came out of nowhere with the offense because a year ago it wasn't anything special. No, not anything special. They weren't very special on offense. They weren't special on defense. But they do have ten starters back on offense. Jake Bentley coming in last season, I think, gave them a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. Uh, I love watching this kid play. The way he runs around out there, fearless. Uh, the one throw he made, th- rolling to his oh right, launching it to the back right corner of the end zone. To I think it was Debo Samuel. I think it was Debo. And that dude, one-handed catch. I mean, that offense. Do you start that ball, okay, rolling out full speed to your right? I mean, you have to chuck that thing at the left upright almost, and it ended up in the back right corner of the end zone. Debo Samuel makes a one-handed grab. Speak to what kind of throw that was by Jake Bentley. Crazy throw. It was just a wild, wild throw. Uh, You know what? Wild throw. And you got to kind of – you have to aim for that one. You literally do have to aim left because when you're running right – it's just the law of physics. Ball's going to travel crazy. right. Law of physics, man. You just got to throw it. You got to trust it and just let it rip. But uh, it's some, some exciting stuff. It gets an NC State team that a lot of teams, a lot of people had doing pretty well this season in the ACC, a very strong ACC. That was one of their middle of the pack teams that a lot of te- a lot of people were saying, hey, watch out for these guys. They're going to have a good year. I picked them to lose last week. Uh, we talked about South Carolina. I thought NC State was too strong. I thought they had a strong defense. Uh, but South Carolina proved me wrong. I think for both these teams right now, it's just who can who can play good defense because both these defenses looked pretty bad last week, giving up a lot, a lot of yards. Uh, Missouri right now in defense, it looks like there's no one out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they have to score 72 points just to win the game. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what this game comes down to. Is it going to be a late turnover, maybe a fumble return for a touchdown? Something's got to give, but I'll go with you. I'm going to go over 72 points as well. And on the road, I think Will Muschamp gets the victory. Give me the two points. I want South Carolina in this game. This is a springboard game for the rest of their season. There's no question. But you look and watch what Missouri State did against Mizzou just a week ago. I have a hard time thinking South Carolina's defense isn't going to be able to make a few more stops against Drew Locke and not let him go for 521 and seven teeters. Yeah, and you look at just look at Missouri's defense last week. I mean, they were down, was it 21-20 at halftime to 
uh, Missouri State. Uh, you can't give up those type of points to that type of uh, that type of team and expect to go out there versus South Carolina and stop those guys. Uh, I know they got a strong offense. Uh, Drew Locke definitely it was more accurate last season. He was only complete 55% of his passes. Um, so definitely a lot more accurate through a lot of touchdowns like we talked about. I mean, pretty much the only time I've seen those stats is when I play NCAA football on my uh, <laughs> PlayStation. I mean, I, it's just incredible. The, the, you look at not only that, but Crockett with 18 carries for 202 yards. Uh, then the receivers, two guys over 100 yards. Moore with 187, two touchdowns. I mean, Johnson, crazy. 116, two touchdowns. But the defense gave up over 350 yards passing and 139 yards rushing. So it's just there's a lot of pressure put on that offense to go out there and perform week in and week out uh, if that defense continues to play like that. And I think they are. They just don't have the talent on the defense side of the football. And, and Carolina is definitely going to take advantage of that. Um, but the thing is, I mean, who is going to stop who? And like you said, it may come down to uh, a couple turnovers here and there. It may come down to an end of the game, kind of crazy overtime. Just who is going to stop someone? Um, and we'll see what happens. So what's your pick? Uh, again, Missouri at home, given two points. Uh, I'm going Carolina. I just don't think Missouri's defense is going to be able to stop anyone. I think South Carolina is going to get a couple stops. Um and I just love watching Jake Bentley play. I think the guy plays a lot of heart. He's exciting to watch. He's a playmaker. He plays with passion right on his shoulders. Um, so I'm a big fan of him. And I, and I got Carolina winning this weekend. All right. Murray picks it. We went the same picks again. SC, take the points. It's going over 70 Two. So that's three really solid games in the SEC again in week two. Going back to week one real ki- real quick, just to kind of round out this episode of the Punt and Pass podcast, that Texas A&M-UCLA game last week, bananas, and I am thinking that some people around the Southeast, particularly Falcons fans, probably had to close their eyes a little bit when UCLA came back from 34 points down in the fourth quarter. My man, Josh Rosen, football and school. I would have to assume that he is a procrastinator in the classroom. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I think, like we talked about last week, I don't think UCLA's in class yet, so that gave him some more time oh, to kind of... Hey. It gave him more time to prep on the two-minute offense because they yeah. were kind of... They were hustling and bustling in that fourth quarter. Oh, I mean, God. you talk about a Texan AM team that uh, is playing for their head coach a little bit this year, a guy in the hot seat... You got an opportunity to go in uh, versus a team that some people have won the Pac-12 or at least have an opportunity to go in there and compete with USC and Washington and Washington State and are just absolutely demolishing him. And then to give a game away like that in the fourth quarter, uh, that's just not great coaching. That's not great leadership. That should never happen to an SEC football team uh, to lose like that. I don't care where the game is or who you're playing. If you're up by 37 points, <laughs> you gotta, sh- you gotta shut the door. You gotta I win mean, it, man. Yes. And that might've cost their coach a job right there at the end of the season. They look back at this one. So, uh, and it just doesn't make the sec look good when you lose no. that type of games. No, it doesn't, it doesn't help. If the wheels fall off after this devastating loss, I would be surprised if someone hangs on, uh, the entire season. Uh, that will be that's remaining to be seen. But God, like you said, I mean, if you're up by 30 points in the fourth quarter, just run the ball or, or don't turn the ball over. Or, or just take pretty easy. Knees, dude, game playing something. is crazy. There's no question. All right, one more question before we wrap up. 
this episode of the Punt and Pass podcast at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram, puntandpass at gmail.com if you want to email us. Oklahoma versus Ohio State. Is this one? I think it's at Ohio State. And again, it's a top five matchup for the second week in a row. Huge game. Two Heisman hopefuls. Baker Mayfield, JT Barrett, both quarterbacks. This game, sure to be a good one. Yeah, Oklahoma, ranked number five. Ohio State, ranked number two. Ohio State giving seven and a half points. Give me the points. I'll take Oklahoma with the points, but I would think Ohio State probably going to win this one at home. A few quick words about this big game matchup. I got Oklahoma with the upset win this game. I think Baker Mayfield... Uh, my early Heisman candidate favorite right now. I mean, the way he played last season, the way he played uh, this past week, I mean, the guy had uh, 19 of 20, uh, just extremely accurate. He has a phenomenal offensive line that does a heck of a job. I think Ohio State, the way they played defensively last week, I don't think they were good enough in the back four uh, to kind of handle this type of offense. Uh, and I just don't think Ohio State looked great at all last week. I know they they scored late and they kind of put it away, but uh, those first few quarters did not look like the number two team in the nation. So uh, I'm excited about Baker Mayfield and what he can do. Uh, I think they go up there and, and take that one. Yeah, uh, I think Ohio State wins, but like I said, take the points. Give me those seven and a half points, and I will be watching that game, probably the the wedding party, maybe fizzle out at that point. I can sneak away, maybe get me a cold beverage and sit by a TV. What are you doing this weekend? Where are you going to be watching your games? So I got actually, I have a little charity event. I got Saturday night, the girlfriend's bringing me to one of her friends. So I got to kind of, I made sure that uh, she understood that the dogs are on <laughs> at seven 30 and there better be some TV somewhere in that place because like you, I'm going to have a cold one kind of, uh, I got to make, I got to, I got to make up to her at some point. I'm taking her to dinner uh, Friday night to kind of, as my, apology ahead of time before for, she for gets mad at me for not for not paying attention saturday night so it's just it's hard man it's football season i know dude college Who, football's rolling i want to watch me some football what are you what are you doing planning galas events weddings on saturday nights in the fall you must not be from the south or you must not have a you obviously don't going on. come on man well it should be a fun weekend dude i'm, I'm glad uh, week one lived up to the hype i would assume week two would do the same Again, that's Aaron Murray at Aaron Murray 11. I'm Drew Butler at Drew Butler 13. You've been listening to the Punt and Pass podcast. We are at Punt and Pass across social media. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we look forward to touching base with you again next Thursday right here on the Punt and Pass podcast. See you.